Hi, I'm Alicia Abendroff, and this is Tridge Agri Insider, your agri food for thought podcast where we talk about anything and everything agri food supply chain. Brought to you by Tridge. In this must listen episode of Agri Insider, we are thrilled to introduce our special guest, Steve Alliarts, who not only serves as the director of Food Care Plus, but has also recently earned a much-deserved seat on the board of the International Fresh Produce Association. With over three decades of unwavering dedication to the agri-food logistics industry, Steve brings a wealth of knowledge and a boundless passion for transforming and caring for our food supply chains. Hi, Steve. Welcome to Agri-Insider. I think this podcast has been a long time coming. We're so excited to have you on the show with us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So to start, I was hoping you'd tell our audience a little bit about yourself. I'm going to leave it quite open uh, and let you introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. So uh, my name is Steve Allertz. I'm a partner and director with uh, Food Care Plus. We are a market access and international logistics service provider uh, working for the food industry for quite a while now. And fresh produce is, uh, let's say, one of the fields that my heart lies, but we also work for other uh, other parts of the food uh, industry. So we have also a bakery confectionery department where we try helping these type of companies to internationalize. And we have a similar department for everything that has to do with dairy and protein. So everything is food. That's where my passion is. Uh, I combine that with logistics. I believe we have a certain role to play there. Um, I do this now for about yeah 20 plus years uh, that I'm with the, the company. Um, I, I joined pretty pretty young, at a young age, after a, uh, a very exciting world trip that I made. And, uh, and it's actually in Australia, and we'll talk about that later, where I've, let's say, had an epiphany and, uh, and decided for myself uh, what way to go forward. Uh, and yeah, 30 years later, I'm still doing the same. So we are uh, Food Care Plus is uh, based in um, the beautiful city of Antwerp. I'm really privileged. Uh, one of the things that I also like beside logistics is history. And um, uh, maybe not everybody in the audience knows that Belgium is a relatively small country. But uh, the port of Antwerp actually always played a pivotal role in, uh, in the trade between Europe and the rest of the world. In fact, in the 16th century, it was one of the most important trading centers in the world where the first spices and, and all the other overseas food products ended up, where the, one of the first exchanges, the Bourse, as they called it, uh, and it's actually not so far from our office here. We are filming right now in one of the older buildings that we have. Uh, it was actually a very old warehouse next to a dock that was built by Napoleon in the let's say the newer port and the bourse is about five minutes to ten minutes walk from here buildings from the 16th 17th century where people actually started with fresh produce straight and uh, another 10 minutes the other way around here there is one of the oldest banana trade exchanges uh, it doesn't exist anymore of course the world evolved but uh, but that's where we are in Antwerp wow you're making a real name for Belgium. I, I, I don't know if we should be uh, getting in touch with the tourism industry after the podcast. Well, no, honestly, I am a private guide. You know, when we have uh, when we have people visiting us, and actually this week and tomorrow we have a delegation from Dole, China, and wow. uh, we are actually uh, having a official part. So we do a port visit. We visit some of the uh, service providers in the community, and in the afternoon, I'm going to do them a private tour in the city. And uh, we're, well, food combines very good with wine. We're going to have a small wine tasting afterwards in one of the uh, older wine bars in Antwerp. So uh, yeah, you really found out that uh, my passion is history also in guiding people privately. Yeah. That's a really impressive career. I don't think we've had that many seasoned, uh, well, or, or I guess veterans in this industry on the podcast yet. So we're really excited for you to be here. And I think you're also the first, a uh, guest who is from logistics. So we're okay. really hoping to get some perspective on um, mm -hmm. logistics and kind of your perception of logistics and agri-food. Um, 
but let's go back to the beginning. So how did you get into logistics? And I guess I'd also like to understand how you combine that with agri-food. Well, from very young, actually, I come from a family that is pretty entrepreneurial. And when I was a young, uh, well, uh, I asked my mother uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago when she laughed about it, because when I was around the age of 17, 18, I didn't want to continue my studies. I wanted to start a business. I wanted to venture with other people. I wanted to do things. It was at a time when I was also traveling a lot. I was backpacking. And, um, you know, at a certain stage, I ended up in Australia where I saw a lot of other fellow backpackers picking fruit. So somehow in my brain, it connected international, different cultures with fruit on a field, beautiful fields, by the way. And from there, I kind of decided this is what I want to do. Food connects people. Food connects people from different cultures. It has an interna international dimension. And, uh, and, and what, what role can I play in the future? And I always, obviously, being a, uh, a kid from the port city of Antwerp, everybody has family here that somehow directly or indirectly works in the maritime and in the logistics industry. And here you go. This is uh, how it actually uh, happened. I decided that I wanted to do something in logistics, combining food, and I'm a true foodie, with the international dimension. And uh, that's how it, uh, how it happened. That's really interesting. Um, I actually didn't really realize, but you're right, because I, I live in Germany and we don't have quite that maritime culture, but how so many people probably derive an income or a livelihood from international trade in Belgium. Um, well, here, I, here in the port of Antwerp, I think um, last reports I read about 130 to 150,000 people are directly uh, wow you know, uh, uh, having a job because of uh, the activities around the port. Obviously, the port of Antwerp Rouge always had a very much high value-added service profile, which means we don't only ship product, we also uh, do other services around uh, the port to help these companies to, to get access to the European market or European uh, companies trying to get access to other markets globally. Uh, so that, of course, helps. But, the, but I think also it ties up with what we started with in history. Um, a lot of the product that was globally moved was actually sold and traded in the, in, in, in the Antwerp community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And I think, um, I, I don't want to touch on a sensitive topic, but a lot of people affiliate, you know, Amsterdam, well, Rotterdam, the Netherlands with um, international trade. But I think the Antwerp port is just as important for Europe uh, in that sense. So, Absolutely. Uh, it is true. It has to do with culture. Uh, you know, I'm a Belgian, obviously, but more than that, I'm, I'm a global person. I'm a, uh, I'm a foodie, so I connect with everybody. I've been all around the world, but even within Europe, even within Belgium, we have different cultures, obviously. I mean, yeah. between the different provinces and our fellow, uh, our fellow people from uh, the Netherlands, our neighbors, they obviously they have a well not we have a similar language but we really have a different culture and we see them and we respect them for their uh, let's say uh, drive enthusiasm they're hunters and it's true if you look at also again history uh, but a little younger history they've been extremely successful in global trade uh, uh, so um, they still do and hence they also take a very important role in fresh produce uh, you know in Europe and abroad right no it's 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 interesting um I, it's a whole nother topic so i'm going to try to steer us back to kind of your journey though because what i really like to understand so you said you were backpacking in australia you you know you were seeing people picking on the farms you were learning how it, agriculture but specifically fresh produce was a really international business um you then kind of i'm trying to understand you come back you know, you find your career in logistics and then you join Food Care Plus. Yeah, um, so I had a very short term that I worked for a, for a carrier. In fact, to be precise, uh, my first uh, touch with, uh, with the shipping component, let's say, of logistics was that I, for a short while when I returned, I worked for, uh, for Exxon, so a, uh, the, the large energy company, the, the oil company. And I worked as a marketing assistant for the division that sold marine fuels. So the marine fuels for the vessels. 
that way i ended up with a shipping company so i started working for the korean shipping line hyundai merchant marine and that is where i really you know saw it happening so um the most excited part of what they were doing was everything that was refrigerated transport and this is how it all ended up food refrigerated transport making sure fresh produce is shipped in optimal conditions and as it is with growing up and getting older, you start seeing the light. And that's when I saw that uh, that, that is what I wanted to do for the rest of my uh, my career, yeah. That, that's amazing. And I didn't know we had that in common, the, the South Korean bit. I didn't- Oh, we do? Oh yeah, of course, with Trich, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with Trich. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. No, that's I, I had the privilege, I must say, um, what is so nice about logistics is also that the, it has some kind of a romantic component the ocean the uh, the wide the, the wide horizon you know we were allowed as as, as young uh, as young uh, people to go on these vessels and they were huge obviously already at that time these vessels were six to seven containers can you imagine now they're 24000 containers they're four times bigger now but at that time it was it was very impressive and uh, and you smell literally through the seawater the, the 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 opportunities that were offered and if you connect that actually to fresh produce and for that matter for all other food products eh, let's not forget i mean antwerp it's the heaven of chocolate obviously uh, belgium is a very important chocolate uh you know a manufacturer and exporter also to the rest of the world but with fresh produce can you imagine that if you if you meet growers and they really invest their time in growing fantastic produce and you're able to connect that into other international markets that that it, it is a very very interesting uh, proposition huh? you know to be a part of that yeah yeah you really paint the romanticize it maybe a little bit but yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm still very passionate about the about this after so many years so yeah i love to hear that no i and i think um that romantic viewpoint is is really special. I, I think it shows that you're really in love with what you do and that you see it as being something unique. And and I agree. I think, especially from that logistics dynamic, you, you're working with these suppliers, you're supporting them, helping them, but you're also at this kind of still this international frontier and, and, and there's this sense of exploration associated with it as well. Um, so okay so when you joined was and and kind of joined food care plus and you were working in the agri food space um was there anything particular or i guess specific to those times because that was about 20 25 years ago yeah. or even 30 years ago well let's say, more, yeah. let's say more 25 years ago yeah absolutely alicia i think what is important also is that at that time and and maybe i was also privileged because of that we were just starting to see globalization of food. You know, I really remember when I showed an avocado to my grandmother, she passed away now, uh, but around that time an avocado, she even didn't know what to do with it. She didn't understand what type of product it is. Right now, when you go to retail, obviously, uh, you see all these different type of fruits and vegetables that, uh, that our grandparents had no knowledge about. Now, youngsters spread it on bread, you know, at those days, I spread chocolate based on my bread and marmalade that my grandmother made also from strawberries, but but we, we didn't do that type of stuff. And it was only the beginning. It was also the time when other more exotic foods started to get imported. And I knew at that time, there are a few things that I'm sure of. One, world population is growing. So they're gonna be, there's gonna be a need for more and more food, more mouths to feed. For that, for that for sure is going to be a growth market. But secondly, we've witnessed, and I've witnessed, well, I'll talk, I've witnessed at that time that as soon as a, a country is developing, it starts, you know, with the extra income, it starts to first broaden their diet. So for example, if you are in countries where people eat rice, the usual staples, rice, potatoes, and they start to get and earn a little bit more income, they start to add other vegetables. In most of the Asian countries, they start to add protein. So even with what we saw in Europe, with the diversity of products that were literally like a tsunami entering Europe, the European Union, um, at the same time, 
you saw also in other regions in the world that people were starting importing you know overseas food products mm -hmm. and for asia it started with protein but now everybody talks about asia being one of the most important new fresh produce import markets importing avocado and exotic fruit coming from latin america and from africa so you see uh, what i witnessed 20 years ago now is still you know ongoing and i also believe that it will well continue to go on like that for the next 20 to 30 years i actually can't imagine a time and this was really going to time stamp me but i can't imagine a time period without bananas or without even avocados yes i still remember the yeah. time before avocados but but like before or even you know something like apples from from chile or you know what it, it just um you witnessed that whole like you said the globalization revolution in agri-food um or at least fresh produce specifically i think it probably was already in like the grain industry and whatnot easier to transport industry prior but the you know the technology behind shipping and i think this is really key shipping let's say a lemon 30 days on the water i mean that's that's incredible I, I sometimes still even though i've worked in this industry now my whole life i still can't believe that sometimes that we do stuff like that as a human species you know a lot a lot a lot has been introduced the last few decades and of course that's also something that we follow very closely because we believe it is our role to make sure that we bring all technology together but it's also the simple and small things you know still there are so many vast opportunities still for many uh, produce growers to have their product introduced to certain markets one of the one of the nicest anecdotes i will never forget because that was the moment when i really decided it was around 2010 i think yeah must be two, about 12 13 years ago you know uh, food care plus at that time worked a lot also with other parties to try to get market access in china as many as since 2005 i've been traveling to china to get market access for the uh, conference pair from europe now um, you know, it's of course a personal preference. Some people find the conference pair not a very aesthetic, nice looking pair. Other people find it uh, very pleasant to eat. So there are different uh, people and different uh, tastes, obviously. But I remember when the national broadcasting, so let's say the, the Belgian BBC, uh, witnessed the opening of our first container in Shanghai around 2000, 2012. They went on the roads, on the streets in Shanghai, and they showed the Belgian pair to many of these, you know, Chinese consumers. And it was so, it was so funny because a lot of these Chinese, you know, in the in the in in very uh, tasteful Mandarin said, "Who is waiting for an ugly pair like that? This is absolutely. This looks horrible." <laughs> And when you taste it, it, it is not like we like the Chinese pear. I mean, they're more juicy, you know, um, and again, everybody's personal preference. Right now, you can buy the conference pear called Bilisho now in every supermarket in China. So, so much has changed in all those years. And that was the moment when when that happened and we... We did the ribbon, uh, you know, the ribbon ceremony where the container was opened. And there was, of course, a lot of, uh, you know, it was really ceremonial. There were a lot of people over there, including our national broadcaster. And since then, I decided this is what I really want to do. That single moment of, let's say, pride when you see yeah. the first landings of products. Because don't forget, Alicia, there's a lot of work that goes um, that needs to be done before these containers arrive. First of all, there is... There's geopolitical things. There is market access you need to grant. You need to agree protocols before fresh produce can enter certain markets. We've worked years with uh, Chinese uh, officials in order to get the paperwork through to get access. And believe me still, when you start shipping the first fruit, something will go wrong. You'll have to be there. You need people that really are committed to make sure everything goes well. And that was the moment when I decided, you see, there are thousands of these opportunities out there in the world. And this is what I want to do. Yeah. That gives me goosebumps, actually, that story a little bit, because, you know, I, I worked as an international fruit trader and you just get so normal to, oh, the containers in and you see some sort of thing on your computer. And then, oh, an hour or two later, you get a claim, you know, or whatever. And it's just become so life and routine. But like you said, 
someone had to establish these trade routes. We had to, you know, go through the bureaucratic process to do it. And and even beyond that, someone had to, you know, grow the fruit, package it, put it in, the, you know, the whole economy behind it. You, you lose sight of that when you're just sometimes in the everyday. But, you know, you were a pioneer in building some of these routes and, and building these, um, yeah, these new kind of uh, relationships and, and helping farmers find new markets. I mean, that like it's a totally different time because now I think, you know, and, and, and I'd really like to pick your brain on this. You know, what does that landscape look like today? Because you know, me being a young person in fruit trading, I don't have the feeling as much that, oh, I'll just go to, you know, you hear about like Singapore and these other emerging markets that are extremely exciting and pay better. But, you know, looking at farmers who deserve, you know, in my opinion, and maybe I'm biased, better market access, better, you know, um, um, even more equitable supply chains, right? What, I feel like the frontiers are a bit more close. So maybe you just like to shed some light on what, how you think that's evolved some of that from that early day opening well, the container with the ribbon to today. It didn't really evolve a lot, unfortunately. Uh, it still takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort in order to get there. To go a little bit back on what you said, indeed, sometimes people take things for granted. You know, there's a lot of transactions. This is what I really loved about the, the earlier podcast you had also. Um, and the earlier podcasts I've been listening to. I mean, the systematic, uh, the two systematic uh, blockage that you have because people are used to do certain things and it becomes all transactional. Let us not forget, especially in the initial phase of doing business, and in fact, you know, with the rest of the business too, it's all about relationships. You cannot imagine how many people you need to get involved in order to get market access openings. It is a very complicated uh, process. So you need diplomats. You need people that believe in the product. You need you need growers and other people to really believe in the market. Spend tons of money, you know, in order to travel because you don't do something like that over a Zoom call or a Teams call. You'll have to go. There needs to be the love. There needs to be that other person that the grower engages with that says, "I believe in your babies," and when that happens. You start to form a group around you uh, that that is really believing in the same prospect and starts working on it. And then still it takes time. I don't even dare to say you how long we're already working on a file for Japan for the same pairs that we opened in, uh, in, uh, in China, you know, 10 years ago. We're still working on it. It will happen. We're very persistent. But it takes time and it takes a lot of energy and effort. And this is where I believe a lot of the growers... Um, and especially smaller growers have challenges because obviously for them within the scale of their business, it is a very tedious and very, very expensive project in order to do so. This is where we see our role at Fruitcare Plus. You know, for us, it is really important to help growers to maximize returns. For me, maximize returns means having more than one market that you can serve so that you can see where the demand is best for certain varieties of your products. So have more than enough offering not to be too dependent on certain markets, not too dependent on certain supply chain parts, because usually also that is problematic. You see that in various other cases. This is where we, uh, I think, play a very important role. Yeah, I I really like what you said about um, helping growers and empowering them even through the supply chain because you know I I I I was a grower for you know six plus years and and the logistics part is just one of many that they're managing. I mean they're still managing HR, compliance, sprays, legislation domestically, you know, packaging, input, balance sheets. You're an accountant. I mean you're this jack of all trades, right? And I think finding partners like Food Care Plus who can kind of take at least the burden of market access, you know, even maybe lobbying and the political side to agriculture off their chest um, are really important. Uh, and it takes a village, right? I think it takes it takes a village to make this whole supply chain work. Um, and I think you're a real living testimony to that. So uh, yeah, I, I really like that case study. Honing in a bit more on the present times, what, so do you feel that there's any pressures in the industry now though that maybe weren't there 
previously? I mean, anything that you feel like a, a weight maybe that even wasn't there before, or, or maybe I'm fishing, maybe everything is glorious and wonderful and we're innovating no. and it's moving forward. No, there is also, of course, a reality in certain things. So first of all, I think from the geopolitical side, it didn't get easier. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those uh, you know, negotiations are based on so-called phytosanitary access things, but in fact, it's more protection. So it's more market protection. So it doesn't mean that um, uh, you know, the way for a grower to go into a market is only about the fact that he can do that safely. There's a lot of diplomacy in that. It means very often uh, growers are not getting access in certain markets simply because it's not on the political agenda of one of both countries, whether the sending country or the, uh, the destination country. That's number one. But at the same time, also a lot of the other things became more complex. And I'm not even starting about the shipping misery that we had the few, last few years. That's maybe something that we will tackle uh, in, the, in the rest of the conversation. But first of all, we had a lot of innovation coming in the market. Even basically, you know, in, in the time when I started, there wasn't like the internet in the same way as we have today. It drove transparency forward. And that transparency uh, is actually, or has been used in a way that is not necessarily uh, to the benefit of, of some of these growers. Uh, thinner margins, really. I really see thinner margins, uh, not necessarily because the grower is not doing it in the right way. Uh, it's just because there is more transparency and other players in the value chain that maybe don't bring that much extra value are abusing the transparency in order to get uh, you know a too large share of their part. Again, anecdotal, but a few years ago, I remember that a lot of South African growers asked you know, a, a certain association to do a study because they didn't understand that the price from leaving the farm until it ended up in the retail in Europe, where, where, where did the money go? Where did the money go? And, and, and I contributed also to that report because I believe it was because there were too many people involved not really contributing uh, to, uh, to the good of the fresh produce itself. Uh, at the same time, uh, all these growers all these exporters and growers and traders are bombed with new innovation. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't uh, open your email or you have three, two, three or two or three new propositions every week. It's very hard uh, uh, to to avoid them, obviously, and to ignore them. But at the same time, I've seen that still a technology that has been introduced ten to fifteen years ago is not well implemented yet. Mm. So there's a lot of work still that needs to be done there. It's it's really unfortunate, but. I still see so many supply chains and, and cargo flows of product that is, let's say, not really well set up. Mm -hmm. Basically, with 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 things that are known already for 10, 15 years. Again, it reminds me on the podcast of uh, Julie Black, it was, I believe, huh? Uh, Lisa Jack. Uh, Lisa, Lisa Jack. I'm sorry. Wow. No worries. Lisa Black, too. Um, a lot has to do with we've always been doing things like this and uh, you we never considered really to do it in another way um not to get too much into detail but uh, you know uh, we have a product where we where we try to connect growers more easily with retailers uh, through a certain logistics platform but it let's say it works a little bit different than the way it has always been happening with importers and commission sales and stuff like that and a lot of these people you know it's a paradigm shift. They need to dare to jump into, you know, a platform like that in order to to actually gain more uh, return, do business differently than they've been doing for the last 10 to 20 years. But they are, let's say, hesitant. And it's normal. It has to do with this is how the system has been working for many years. Um, maybe it's a little general uh, the way that I bring it forward. But, uh, but I believe that Maybe sometimes it's good to make a cut of and see, okay, what is in the market today and what we would do, can we do today in order to make the supply chain better rather than looking also at blockchain, also at um, uh, impact traceability, uh, storytelling. All these things are very complicated, bringing more complexities into the supply chain. Mm -hmm. While, let's say, we get the basics not, uh, not right for, for many of these flows yet. Yeah. I, I really like that point that we have to solve some very fundamental, like Lisa Jack said, systemic issues before yeah. we can add to the complexity 
right? And I think there's a big gap there, especially in this innovation space sometimes. And it's not really the innovation side's fault. It's literally there's building blocks in our supply chain that are flawed fundamentals like what you were talking about with the South African growers having issues with tighter margins and, and you know, lack of profitability and, and all these things, right? You can't just keep building on that and propose all these new solutions when the whole thing could crumble because, I mean, this is extreme, right? But enough farms or something would go out of business. And, and I think, yeah, I really appreciate you raising that because um, we can't work in these tunnels, right? It, it, yeah, it, there needs to be some collaboration, which leads me to my next question. And, and then I, I will get to kind of, I'd love for you to introduce Food Care Plus formally, but on, on the note that we're on currently, what so what kind of drives uh, or your passion or not even your passion, but what, what would you like to see in the agri food logistics space? Um, maybe some shifts on, on this note um, for the future. Well, uh, thanks for that question. I think it's an interesting one, but you're going to see me, uh, you know, being becoming very passionate about a certain thing. One thing I didn't mention before is that uh, I really dislike, I never use the word hate because I don't like the word hate. I think it's a very bad word, but I very much dislike, but then very much dislike <laughs> without using the word hate, food waste. Mm-hmm. For me, food waste is the example that growers can't get the right returns whether it is because they can bring it to certain markets because the 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 cold chain is not let's say properly set up uh, or it is because they don't have certain markets or access to certain markets no matter what product has been produced that is not ultimately being sold to a consumer at and now I'm going to introduce the second, more personal thing, a fair price. Because if we look at today, I really think we have a fundamental problem in how people spend money. I'm not talking about some of the developing markets. They have other concerns. But in the Western markets, I think we have a disproportionate difference between what we pay for a phone or for other goods and other experiences compared to food. I'm still shocked sometimes when I go to a supermarket and I see products at prices that I'm really wondering, how is it even possible that a grower makes money with that? So there is something flawed in there. And I think that is something that will take a long time in order to get to a certain situation where people are aware that we should bear a fair price, whether it has to do with fair trade or whether it has to do with other fair practices in the supply chain not to mention claims. You mentioned the word yourself. I really dislike the claims business. And everybody has a very important role in that. But there is for sure hours of debate that we can start on what type of you know, real claims are out there. And isn't there something like a claim industry? And I can tell you there is a claim industry. There is a whole industry of companies making money with the fact that produce is not being sold, which itself is a very sad thing. Um, but fair price itself will take will take a little while. Eh? But those those two things are critical, and I think that all of us will have to work on that in order to make sure that these challenges are being tackled. Yeah, no, I could I couldn't have said it better myself. I think being having been an actor in the supply chain or still being an actor in the supply chain, those are the things that deeply anger me and i won't use that word hate either but i know what you mean it's like a pit in your stomach because yeah. it's a literal injustice you're witnessing mm-hmm. but it's bigger than you it's an injustice that's bigger than you and that's part of the reason why this podcast exists to be honest steve is because i really want people like you who are you know senior stakeholders and witnessing this at a high level to, to call this out uh it needs to be brought into the spotlight um okay but getting a little bit uh back to some of the more technical points could you tell us a bit about food care plus and i think before you do that i just would like to say um you being ceo and and just kind of already the conversation we've had so far i think it's uh we're very lucky to have you in the industry especially in the logistics perspective because we need people who have their their head screwed on straight in these kind of senior positions but tell us more about food care plus and kind of what what 
what you're working on at the moment? So um, Foodcare Plus is a non-asset logistics service provider. In fact, uh, we use a very important tagline, especially since we're part of a, uh, of a group now, uh, the Raymond Group, uh, family-owned uh, you know, logistics operation um, uh, from a, a Belgian-owned family. Uh, and we call ourselves transport architects. Now, why do we use the word architects? Because, of course, it relates to everybody, you know, that in private lives also has a house or builds a house. And you know that we also believe that uh, food uh, and, and other businesses, obviously, uh, is also a very personal common thing. Huh? So when we talk about distributing food, it's the same as, you know, designing your house, making sure that the supply chain connecting companies internationally is done in a proper way. So how do we do that? We do that by... Uh, being as much as we can not being a generalist so there is a tendency obviously in the logistics industry to focus on assets boats containers trains wheels roads huh? and it's all about you know moving product but it's not about the product itself that's the big difference with food plus we start from the product mm -hmm. so we have teams, um, you know, working in different uh, verticals, and they are, uh, or they have the, uh, the the position where they can work actually only in certain parts of the food market. So our fresh produce team, for example, they work as architects only to help companies, you know, bringing better supply chain solutions or designing new supply chain solutions, and even executing them for the markets that they envision. For us, there are a few critical components here. One is customer intimacy and product knowledge. None of our people move product on behalf of customers without understanding the product. In fact, our people go to the field, put on the boots, you know, and understand the produce, you know, when it is harvested, how what is what is happening after post harvest, how it is treated before it goes into uh, is shipping a container. I can tell you, the majority of the logistics industry, you know, is working from a generic point of view, whether they are moving one product or the other, or cars or interior stuff or whatever, and they handle apples like they would handle other products. Huh? So that is where we really make a difference with with other companies to start with. We also have a regional expertise. So although we operate on a global scale, uh, in a very particular model, we do have certain markets, obviously, where we have a specific focus. And um, uh, one of those uh, regions that I potentially introduce here is Africa, for the simple reason that we believe that Africa is not only going to be one of the most important continents, you know, in the next coming decades, I think we all know that, uh, but also because um, it will become Let's call it Europeans Mexico. It's back garden. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna see obviously some some stress on the agricultural landscape because of our fit for fifty five. So the uh, the climate actions being taken in Europe is going to put some you know pressure on the landscape, and we believe that Africa will play a very important, a pivotal role in supplying some of these uh, products that we will most likely not grow or produce anymore in Europe. So that's why we believe Africa is very important. At the same time, you know, our other divisions are very active also in supplying product into Africa. And let us not forget that obviously that is a circular thing because the more income they generate because they export fresh produce into Europe will allow them also to import more products coming from other areas. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a very, uh, very interesting, you know, uh, uh, thing that would, would, would happen, yeah. Well, I just, I, and I'll let you keep going, but you just actually answered uh, a question that's been in my head for quite some time now because, oh yeah, because I've, and I brought it up in a couple of podcasts and no one's really connected these dots for me yet. But, um, you know, you see all these new policies around climate, carbon, sustainability entering the European space. And I, I had actually a, a guest on, she hasn't gone live yet, but she will in the next week. Um, who talked about she's she's based in germany and she talked about well you know these pig farmers here are, are going out of business because of xyz policy economic you know the list is long um and i just thought well you know how can we be doing this it's bad for european food security right 
but you really raise that interesting point who will take that opportunity to feed europe right can i agree with that completely from a food security standpoint and and kind of i guess um maybe even libertarian standpoint no but africa definitely i think you're right will play a really big role in that especially because from the carbon perspective you know with with their climate and everything um they can produce at a lower uh, footprint so uh yeah you just connected some dots and i needed to raise it because yeah, i'm wondering what the big agenda is you know why why keep over regulating european suppliers what will happen question yeah. mark you know so the way it actually happens because maybe it was a it was a little uh, <laughs> uh holistic the way i bring because obviously we have customer intimacy we want to be very close to the, the to the customers we want to understand their product we want to understand their markets and be there let's say partner in developing their their markets but for sure making sure that whenever they move product that it ends up in the optimal quality and right. maybe everybody finds that a very obvious thing but if you look at how everything works in reality it is not in whatever form you are a lot of these shippers have challenges rejected product cold chain integrity issues and stuff like that at Foodcare Plus, we have a very, very, very low acclaim ratio, and we're very happy with that because we see that as one of our core roles, core roles, I'm sorry, in order to make sure that whenever a grower puts cash on the water, his babies, his fruit and vegetables on the water, that he still needs to, you know, transform into, you know, it still needs to monetize that in order to, you know, make up for his family and his living and the investments that they are doing. It is super critical that the product you know, ends up in the right way. Hence why we are sometimes very frustrated if we see that through supply chains that are in there, whether we are handling them or not, and usually we're not because we're involved when something goes wrong very often, that we see that a lot of the product has not been monetized because of that. Um, how does it work in reality? Well, it's very simple. We're a very open company. We don't really work transactional which means we will always talk first with the people. Do we align? Do we share the same values? You can go on a website with us and say, give me a quote to move product from A to B. I mean, we're not really interested in that, in that transactional business. We would rather go to your, let's say, sweet potato farm, look at what you can produce, what markets do you currently uh, you know, uh, envision to, 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 to work with. And then we start working out the plan with them, offer them transportation solutions, execute it, monitor it, and uh, have that type of relationship, more a partnership relationship, like you have with an architect when you build a house, is also following you know, the progress in the way that your house is being built. And, and, and also, in fact, takes a certain responsibility because you know, there is a certain liability with an architect in that relationship that you have. This is the relationship we have with our customers. Ultimately, we help our customers to connect internationally. And a lot of them, and a lot of them, I mean, to, to, to try to you know, wrap it up like that. Um, there are a lot of similar logistics service providers, forwarding companies, shipping lines that are offering vertical integrated products and stuff like that. But it's very rare that I come across with, with companies that have the same vision that talk product first and not my containers. No, no, your potatoes. And it's not talking about my service, my weekly service. No, it's talk about what do you need uh, as a service. Um, when you start with the product itself, you first listen to what does that product needs? What does that onion need in order to successfully be monetized in the overseas market? All the rest is irrelevant then. So uh, we could call it maybe Uber, but I, ca I can't use the word Uber obviously because it's a company, Uber customized logistic solutions for companies, you know, to, to try uh, summarizing it like that. And it's very easy to engage with us. I mean, we have a team, we listen to your story and, uh, and then we decide uh, how we move forward. And also we're very accessible. So it means that you would probably work with one single architect that will help you throughout the process, you know, uh, in order to, uh, to move your business forward. So uh, yeah, that's the way we're organized. So you actually have people on your team called logistics architects. These are their official titles. Their official titles are transport architects. Wow. Yeah, that, that just, okay, to me, and I think, um, you know, there's, like you said, a lot of logistics providers out there. It's a, it's a big industry, 
but there's not a lot of people or a lot of providers I've met that take this product first. Like you said, architect, design, consulting approach to logistics. And I think it's one reason I've really aligned with you and your company also on a personal level is because you are reinventing something so easy to reinvent, but so seldomly done. Uh, and it's just little things, like you said, just the approach, the mindset, the culture, the, uh, yeah, you're, it's very, it's very special. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate you sharing it on the podcast and then we'll make sure that food care plus, um, the word gets spread. I know you have some other exciting news as well, um, which I'm also very excited to mention. And I think kind of hearing your journey now in the podcast from the backpacker all the way through to where you are today and how you've grown and built up Food Care Plus. And, and I think this is a really exciting next move for you. Uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense in this journey, in this Steve journey, right? Um, and I let you announce it, but you've now been appointed as chairman of the supply chain committee you're a board member uh, for the international fresh produce association can you just tell our audience what that really means what i mean what what is the significance behind this um, appointment and maybe also just what does the ifpa do in a really quick kind of overview okay so there are a lot of initiatives obviously local nationally uh, regionally uh, where uh, where people come together from the same industry, from the fresh produce industry, to help drive uh, their 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 business forward, uh, the fresh produce business in general forward. I think there was only one really organization, I believe, that had a little bit of a global approach to it, and that was the International Fresh Produce Association. A few years ago, our company became a member, and we were very happy with the let's say the dynamic culture and uh, let's say the, the 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 vibrant community that we had at the international fresh produce uh, association you know that was the the merger between uh, united fresh and pma uh, formerly known as united fresh and, um, and pma so uh, after being a member i started to get involved in their supply chain committee where uh, where we tried to bring together different stakeholders from the logistics industry together with the fresh produce industry to think about solving some of the challenges in order to make sure that um yeah we we create a better supply chain for a lot of these fresh produce people and i've been a personal editor together with the team on internationalizing some of their uh, charters and their uh, best practices guides and this is the way that i got into more and more involved um and now they asked me to be the chair of the supply chain committee because uh, they know that i have in my mind the idea to go to the next step. Um, and I think the uh, the IFPA is the best platform to do so. Find like-minded people, because of course, Foodcare Plus is not the only company that has uh, certain values and missions that align uh, with what I've been telling before. I'm pretty sure there are other architects out there huh, in the world that we can bring together and um, even find people that understand what our what our what our challenges are in let's say non-fresh produce uh, you know uh, or, or let's say organizations that work with fresh produce but don't necessarily have the same or only work for certain uh, certain markets port authorities shipping lines uh carriers um name it bring them all together and create an eco space where we see much better practices for fresh produce uh, global trading companies in order to make sure we get less waste, uh, monetize fresh produce better, get better margins for these growers, so maximize returns, but for everybody, create a more vibrant and, and, and thriving uh, industry. It all sounds very holistic, obviously, but um, I have a plan. So in that plan, we're really going to do certain stuff. Um, we're going to make sure that we're going to work on better education, making sure that companies, when they feel like they want to do business in fresh produce, that they commit themselves to educate all the people, bringing them all closer to the fresh produce industry to make sure that when fresh produce is being handled, is being handled in a proper way. But even go further than that, create a system where we can, you know, create charters among certain organizations to do things together because collaboration is the key. 
is the key word here. Um, and, you know, even go in a system where we are going to assess quality of certain of the stakeholders in the industry to make sure that growers know, well, if I do business with these and these companies, I'm going to get the best out of it. Now it's a very big mingle pop. Logistics is a very, it's a very uh, big word. There's a lot in there. Huh? There are thousands, thousands of forwarding companies operating globally. And I think it's very difficult for fresh produce companies to, to make sure that they understand who's really taking care of my product, who can really bring me value. And that's not only going to be Food Care Plus, there's also going to be a lot of others. Are we going to partner up with them? Absolutely. The moment that under IFPA, I find, let's say, other companies, logistics service providers with a uh, with a like-minded uh, set of values, we will for sure partner up with them and 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 grow this ecosystem for companies uh, to to move forward. Yeah, amazing, really exciting, and and congratulations again. I think it's it's really a good move for the industry. Just to have it on the record. So, what is your official role now within the uh, IFPA? So I'll be chairing the supply chain committee, which means that uh, the supply chain committee uh, has a broad membership of different uh, North American, European, and and also other region uh, companies, uh, people that are involved in, let's say, logistical and supply chain roles in fresh produce companies, but also others. And that, uh, uh, you know, that committee comes together two, three times a year, but also have various different, uh, you know, projects running where there are separate, uh, you know, work groups working on certain topics and i will chair uh the committee in order to make sure that we uh we uh we we complete the strategy and uh, the objectives that we have for that committee yeah so that's and i'm gonna i'm gonna launch quite some new projects uh hope it's not going to be too much because obviously we need to make sure we uh, land some of that i've been told in uh in hong kong uh, on the asia food logistics show with one of the ifpa uh, key people that uh the first months I'll, I'll need to first get a little bit to know about how how the association really works and of course i uh, i uh, i admit that it's, but it's yeah. going to be it's going to be a great uh, great adventure i'm pretty sure that we're going to do beautiful things yeah that's amazing yeah um uh well we'll let you get through the onboarding and then we want to see all the all the great impact you're going to be bringing to the industry which is a great segue to my next question. So what projects are you working on at the moment? And this could be within the IFPA or what you're planning to do within the IFPA or even at Food Care Plus. Is there anything you'd like to share with the audience, some some cool things you're working on currently? Sure. So so we have, of course, I told you in the beginning that we work also for other food, uh, food markets. And in the bakery, confectionery, in the protein sector, obviously also other things happened. And that's the beauty of it best practices in those markets or ideas in those markets, we could actually bring them to some of the other food markets. And I believe there are for sure two very nice projects that we work on that could help the fresh produce sector or some of the companies that are interested in it to, uh, to, to, to open new markets or do other things. One of the things that I'm really excited about is uh, about um, impact, uh, impact storytelling. Mm -hmm. So um, there is, you can have, there's tons of of technology out there where you can uh, you know work on traceability provenance quality co2 footprint and stuff like that uh, but I've come across very recently with a company that uh, you know created something for a very specific niche and I truly believe that we can let's say transform this to a solution for the fresh produce industry uh, a lot of the technology we have at food care plus um, is already going to be able to provide a lot of data that is required to do so. So in practice, it would it would mean like this. A consumer would be able to, when they buy a certain piece of fruit or a legume, maybe a celeriac, which is already a very exotic part, <laughs> an exotic legume, um, we they could actually find out what was the CO2 footprint, you know, of, of buying this piece of, you know, fruit. Um, how did it travel? Where did it come from? Who's the grower? Huh? So that actually with simply using their phones and scanning a QR code, they would be able to get all that information instantly. And that would be not marketing, just marketing. It would all come with proof points, which means it's built on very trustful data coming through the supply chain. And we've seen a lot of examples of that in the market that are, let's say, sub-solutions 
but not the all-encompassing one that we would like to uh, you know, bring forward. You said something earlier, which also really stuck with me, is that this buzzword traceability, yeah. we've used it and extrapolated it in the supply chain to almost create negative impact for farmers. And what I'm hearing you saying now is that you want to take traceability and create empowerment for farmers. At least that would probably be the the the, the goal, right? Is and I think you're raising another interesting point if I dig deeper, that traceability and that empowerment through traceability actually is linked to the consumer side. So what you're saying is it won't all the weight and power won't lie with let's say retail or major demand organizations. It'll lie actually at the consumer level with this kind of traceability tool that you're describing well i'm pretty sure that it will be driven by the consumer whatsoever uh the consumer will decide uh how the supply chain will need to act so maybe and that's you know i, I touched it in the beginning there's so much technology out, out there already that has not been implemented yet yeah um it's simply because it was people didn't listen to the consumer let's call it this way a lot of solutions were introduced a lot of people have been investing money in stuff that people didn't ask maybe they were a little too early huh? that's also fine but i think there is now a lot of technology out there that's already there for 10 years that we can implement in order to just make sure there is a better consumer experience mm -hmm. and a better consumer experience will lead to more business because they will consume more of that product and that i think is critical you know, for our thriving business. Um, so if we all want in the fresh produce industry to make sure that people eat more healthy fruit and vegetables, it's it's all about consumer experience. Mm -hmm. And you think, and I think that your role at the International Fruit Produce Association will definitely be pivotal in changing the consumer interaction let's call it with fresh produce with because you i mean i'm assuming you're going to have opportunity to be in front of policy makers um just you know key decision makers at big corporates but really with people who can turn the industry or, or move that needle in a really quick way um so we're yeah I, i'm looking forward to seeing how you take that appointment or even let's call it position of of power to to do good um, that's well, we're going to implement it at Food Care Plus at a certain point, um, and then, of course, we will open it up in the market. And of course, that's a good side for us at Food Care Plus. Uh, you know, when it comes to my role at IFPA, I'll have a much broader access, obviously, to to a network of uh, fresh produce uh, professionals, but with an idea to share. It's it's about sharing knowledge. Uh, you know, collaborating with different actors, even competitors. I've always, you know. What I didn't mention is um, I've been, you know, lecturing for competitors for, for so many years. I don't do it anymore because of time constraint. But for 10 years, I've been, in fact, uh, giving lectures to train, you know, competitors in cold chain practices. And that's a little bit weird, right? Because, you know, I, you know, I have my own private company, you know, where we do that. But it is because I fundamentally believe in knowledge transfer. And I think that is key. And it's getting very complicated right now, obviously, with another technology that is coming our way. Uh, you know, all that AI and all that, um, all these tools where people suddenly, you know, find intelligence by just asking a chatbot. Um, again, I'm a little bit scared of that. I really think we need to, I'm, I'm not saying I'm scared. It doesn't mean I'm not using it. I'm not open to it. But, um, let's really go back to the relationships. You know, that consumer, that grower as soon as we can you know bring them as close as we can together you know something beautiful happens everybody's an emotional buyer everybody you know if you buy an apple from you know a, a retail rack and you're not being told where the apple comes from there's no story with the apple it's not going to sell in the same way as you have that you know farmer you know, telling him this is this is what I've done. These are these are trees that I've been nurturing for a couple of years. You know, this is the apples that I grow, and this is what I did, and this is how I bring the product. I think a good example is the marketing campaign of Rocket. You know, you know the company Rocket, obviously, with their apples mm -hmm. from New Zealand. I think they do that very well. They invest in it, obviously, but um, a lot of people can do something with 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 simple technology because obviously not everybody has same marketing budgets in order to you know bring the story like that. 
but with very simple techniques you can you can actually bring that story to the to the consumer and that will require a very well organized supply chain so all these actors need to collaborate in order to make sure that consumer can get that experience and, and I think with basics like you said i really dislike it when i go to a supermarket i buy a piece of fruit and it's really bad right. and it happens really it really it it happens you know i'm really disappointed then but how is it how is it even possible you know with today's technology that that i'm buying a piece of fruit and that it's really a bad experience you know even without knowing the story behind it huh? maybe it's good that there's no story behind it um but i think we need to go back to that relationships yeah yeah i i i couldn't agree with you more and i think you touched on a really important point of we're in this and i, I perceive this this really dynamic period and i think it kind of happened since covid where we're seeing all these new technologies really start to take more and more of a forefront and i like people like you who are thinking about okay so all these technologies exist and some of them like you said have existed for 15 20 years mm -hmm. but how can we actually implement them to shape the industry in the right direction because it's being shaped there's no doubt i mean I, sure. even compared in my short lifespan you know in the time period i've been working in agriculture i've seen a shift in how people are adopting transforming thinking more about what what should come next um and i think if we don't have people who are really at that innovation table or at that table seeing that you know the perspective and, and advocating for also the good of 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 the the farming community we could innovate in a in a direction that could also be of detriment and i and i think uh, that question like you said with chat gpt or, or or ai it transcends agriculture right you know how will the future of humankind even we can go humankind right what 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 will that future look like how are we going to use all these new technologies like blockchain crypto um ai to 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 either empower or or disempower the human race right um so it's it's really really interesting i'd like to just pick your brain on, on one last bit so you know you're working on all these projects you're bringing in the traceability element you're um you know now taking on this chair position what is your goal i mean look into the future what is your what are you trying to achieve and maybe even you know what is the legacy that you want to leave behind and and food logistics um yeah, what, what, what is the impact or, or I guess the, the way you'd like to see the future going? Well, I'm gonna make it very simple. Every time when I see a picture of, let's say, a mountain of fruit that is being disposed of, destroyed, uh, I get sick, literally. And that you know, makes me up every morning and say, let's, let's build better products, let's build a better supply chain in order to make sure that doesn't happen again. Because of course it's going to be very sad for one farmer but it's also sad for the world because for the simple reason and we touched that in the beginning with market access you know in the old days when in india for example 60 percent of the onions were lost was because of the lack of cold chain infrastructure that is something that is simple to comprehend we have to build and invest in that cold chain infrastructure and that will improve but when i see product being disposed or destroyed because it, it doesn't find the market because it's not allowed access in certain you know areas it makes me really sad and it makes me even sadder than if when product really moved that it was lost because of bad practices through the supply chain because very often it is not necessarily let's say a real quality issue it is often because it doesn't fit one of the actors business model at that time and that is something that is really sad and i'm really sure that in small steps using that technology and the traceability we will be able to build better practices through supply chain yeah. and i see that something as and i hope that in a few years i build a a global organization with partners obviously huh, that really brings better supply chains for fresh produce uh, organizations and maybe perhaps even um, inspire others to do better because obviously 
it wouldn't be a nice world if only a bunch of companies would control global trade. I don't like that either. Huh? Um, and it's something it's something very uh, yeah sad in the uh, shipping industry, but we've obviously seen a lot of consolidation. There's very little companies active. Um, it's never a very good thing. Obviously, it's a very natural thing, evolution, but I think it would be good if there would be more offering in the market, but more or better quality in the market in order to make sure that all these businesses that invest in growing fresh produce get the right returns for it. Yeah. Pro profound statement for sure. And I think um, you really created a visual there with the food being wasted. And and um, like you said, sometimes just out of business interest and not out of um, what makes sense. And I think that that gap sometimes between what makes sense and what you know our human instinct wants and, and business interest, they need to be more closely aligned. And I think that's that would be the biggest shift that I'd hope to see. I don't want to oversimplify it, obviously, but if I, can't, at the same but... time, if I see two pictures and I see a pile of product that has been produced and been taken care of by a grower, and then in another picture, I see people, you know, dying of hunger because literally this is, this is, this is how it works in my brain. I still say there's still some work to do. Very, very good point. Um, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Steve, it, it's it's been a pleasure having you on uh, Agri Insider. I would love to just let you have the open floor for any final words, any you know thoughts to give the audience for the future, uh, anything I, I maybe left out that you'd like to still add um, for, for the audience. So what I really believe is that um, Mankind will find solutions for all challenges, really. And and you know, zooming into the fresh produce sector, we're going we're going to have a beautiful future ahead of us because everybody knows fresh produce is the healthiest you know um, food item to eat. Let's let's all agree to that. Uh, we need people to eat more fresh produce, and ultimately it will happen. Uh, we all know it takes a while, but it will happen. I'm in nature an optimist. I'm going to be very honest with that. But I also believe in mankind. Ultimately, we will we will get to better solutions. I mean, uh, history has told us that, and and future will certainly tell us that too. Um, the only thing I want to give as a piece of advice to people, and and I've I've you know experienced it through different projects, reminding you of the let's say the access of the pairs into China and some of these other projects. Be patient. Be persistent determined and patient ultimately you'll get there amazing thank you again for joining us you've really left the audience and, and me personally as well with some true words of wisdom you've given me a lot of what we call food for thought no pun intended <laughs> and yeah we, we really look forward to seeing what you're going to do with this next chapter of your career we'll keep you informed This podcast has been brought to you by Tridge, the leading global intelligence and networking platform for agriculture. Visit us at www.tridge.com to find out more.